You are listening to The Fit CFO Show. Here we discuss topics on fitness, nutrition, and of course, business to help you become your best in life and in your business. I am your host, Amanda Hanquist, creator of Envision Nutrition and 12-year financial professional. We release a new episode every single Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications because you don't want to miss a thing. show, I have the pleasure of talking with the creator of the Fit Me community, Christy May Campbell. Christy is a busy wife and mama of three. She has been working like crazy to bring you a sustainable, diet-free lifestyle, and I am so excited to have her as my guest on the show today to learn her approach to health and fitness and business. Let's welcome Christy to the show. Well, I'm so excited to get into uh, talking about what you have created um, and kind of like your journey and getting there. So you have this Fit Me community, uh, but first I want to talk about just kind of your road to um, how you got here, like your your own health and wellness journey. I mean, you um, had a career in the military, so mm-hmm. how did you transition from being in the military to now an entrepreneur? Well, I don't think I ever planned to. Um, for for starters, when I was in the Navy, so I grew up in Maryland, on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, um, and I went to college at the Naval Academy. And so I certainly planned to be in the Navy for a while. Um, but my first year at the Naval Academy, I had a, a knee thing. It was a small knee thing, but they did a big surgery. Um, so I'm not going to say it was botched, but I think it was botched. Um, so basically they did an ACL reconstruction on my knee, but I didn't actually have a torn ACL. So I don't know why they did it. Um, but I never recovered. My knee never recovered from that first surgery. And so then they did a series of, I've had 10 total, um, four four ACL reconstructions a microfracture, a bone graft, like you name it. And it all kind of started that first year in the Navy, um, did you have and, like an initial injury that caused them to like, look into this knee issue or no, I had some like small swelling to be honest. So I was actually playing division one sports. So I was p- pretty athletic and I, uh, I was having a little bit of swelling, but more, it was just, I'm, I'm fairly loose jointed sure. and now I know that, but I don't know that I knew that then. And I don't think that the doctor, paid attention to that. I think they just said, Oh, you have a loose knee. So like, let's make it tighter and we'll give you a new ACL. But it, I mean, to me now that's horrifying to like do surgery, major reconstructive surgery on a joint that doesn't Especially need a it. Young, half healthy, athletic individual. Yeah. It, it makes zero sense. Um, so I share that because I had always relied on my like physical ability to do stuff. Got it. Um, growing up. And so for example, like I played all these sports and I ate garbage. Like, I just feel like I just grew up not eating very well. My mom was single mom and worked multiple jobs. And so she just didn't have time to make a lot of home cooked meals. And I honestly don't think she would have even known how to do that anyway. She was a product of dieting. Um, she had dieted since she was 11. Um, and so she didn't have the eating habits and didn't know how to share them with me either. Um, so I grew up sort of not knowing how to eat, but I'd always been active. And so I didn't struggle with my weight. Well, fast forward to having those 10 knee surgeries. Um, and I had two, my, my first two children, I found myself 
40 pounds overweight and completely stuck. And so when I say stuck, I was stuck. Like I did not want to be 40 pounds overweight. It was way over a year after I had had my second son and I thought, oh, well, I'll just lose the weight. But everything I tried didn't work. So I would try to lose the weight. I joined Weight Watchers multiple times. I did, you know, the shake challenge. I did all the yo-yo diety things. Everything. I just wanted to lose weight because I I didn't like how I felt. Um, I didn't like how I felt with that much weight on. And plus it it didn't feel like me either. I sort of my identity. Right. Well, you being, especially like a division one athlete, always being athletic, you never really probably had to watch what you ate. And now all of a sudden you're finding yourself and we share very similar story in the pregnancies of gaining a lot of weight and and being really in a different body than what you're used to Mm -hmm. being in. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I really had no idea how to do it or how to eat. I thought that food was just whatever you wanted to eat, like processed food. And so food was pizza and food was junk food. Um, food was fast food, food, you know, drinks were sodas, drinks were, you know, I just had that idea of like, this is normal food. And then diets or healthy food was, you know, spray on butter or microwave meals or stuff that you ate to get to lose fat basically. Right. I just thought, okay, well, you know, you You only eat that if you're on a diet. Right. Your normal brownie. And now we're going to eat a Weight Watchers brownie. And now I'm like doing, you know, weight loss. That's kind of what I thought. And gotcha. so all the things that I tried when I was really unhappy in my skin were based off of that. It was just mm-hmm. this idea of like, okay, well, what do I need to try? Mm-hmm. And nothing worked. And so I found myself very sad in some ways. I was happy, like as a mom, I was happy as a professional. I was working for a nonprofit at the time, but I just was very unhappy in my skin. And my husband, who was still in the Navy, he still is now, he left on a one-year deployment. And while he was gone that year, I had it made up in my mind that I was going to lose weight, but I still honestly was just going to do the same nonsense that I was doing before. It wasn't going to work. Um, yeah. but, but I met a coach, a personal trainer, and he invited me to his like outdoor class in the park. It wasn't anything special. It was just exactly what I needed. It was community. It was yeah. a coach who cared about me. Um, it was the basics. It was like exercise hard. He didn't treat me like I couldn't do it, even though I'd had all those knee surgeries. Like he sort of just didn't bring any of those, you know, limiting beliefs into the picture. He was just like, you're here, like, let's do it. And he taught me the basics about nutrition. I mean, it was like, oh, all of a sudden for the first time in my life, I was told, oh, you have to like eat more (laughs) um, if you're exercising. What what is this weird concept? (laughs) Right. And he's like, you you don't want to eat out so much. It makes it harder. Like you want to cook food at home. And I was like, nobody told me this. Uh, And simple things like eating enough protein and drinking water and not drinking too much alcohol. It was like, nobody had ever told me that before. You know, and I think that's the biggest misconception now, even I I would say, especially now, because, um, I mean, your kids are, you have obviously your two and a half year old, but you also have a almost 13 year old. And, you know, it's just like a different thing when your kids are older and they're on activities and you're going a hundred miles per hour all the freaking time, fast food becomes almost like a, a norm, right? Like it's just becomes a normal thing. And I think if that's one thing that I could like change is, you know, when you prepare these meals at home and ahead of time, you save time and you also, you know, 
teach your family how to eat in a healthier lifestyle in general, because when you just rely on fast food, because you're busy, it just becomes almost a way of life super quickly without realizing it. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, that food wasn't really created to fuel your body the way it needs to be. Like, honestly, that food was created for convenience, um, for accessibility, um, to make you want more of it. I mean, it's the fast food industry makes you want more. Um, so all those things, I'm not saying it's like inherently evil. I'm just saying it might not be actually created for you, you know, in the way that it's almost presented like, Oh, this is like really fast, convenient option. But at the end of the day, it, sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I've got to do all of this complicated stuff. And sometimes it's just as simple as eat at home more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, nobody had ever told me that kind of stuff before. And so when he taught it to me, and I also had this incredible community and a coach who cared, I was, I found myself again. Did I lose the weight? Yes. But ultimately I found me again. And I was so inspired by what he did for me that I quit you know, the kind of professional work that I was doing before, um, and decided I wanted to be a coach. And that was probably just over eight years ago. Um, and so since then I've done a lot of different things. I, I had my own class in the park for a long time. Um, just like his, that's my initial kind of step into being an entrepreneur. Um, I also worked for other people along the way. So I ran a large CrossFit gym in Maryland um, and was the head coach there and spent a lot of time in CrossFit and weightlifting. But ultimately I I ended up kind of finding my, my place um, in online coaching because I was able to help people with the rest of their day. Didn't matter if they didn't live in my town. Um, but I moved away from sort of that uh, fancy fitness kind of approach, even though I, I love it. I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, ultimately my passion is giving people those simple things that I needed, um, that year and giving them a community to do it with and giving them an incredible coach who cares about them, um, and just making it simple and doable. And so that's what we do in fit me. That's, that is literally our secret sauce is make it simple, connect somebody with a coach who cares and a community that will do it with you. Um, and that's how we create transformations and fit me. Well, and I think that's the biggest misunderstanding is that the weight loss part is not the hardest part, right? I mean, you can lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, heck, a lot of people have even lost hundred pounds, but it's the keeping it off and sustaining those habits for a lifetime. That is the real challenge. And when you can create lifelong sustainable habits initially from the start and then have a community to encourage one another, to keep each other going, that is where I think the real bread and butter is at. Yeah. I think a lot of times um, people have been told the lie that they can apply some sort of diet strategy in the short term. And then in the long term, they're going to magically know how to apply it to their real life. Yeah. And I just, I, I just reject that altogether. Now I do not think that that works now. I'm not saying that there are not short-term diet strategies that are appropriate. So, I mean, if you are someone who's already in pretty decent shape and you want to 
prep for a bodybuilding show, by all means, like you are going to do a short term diet that is going to prepare you for the sport that you're playing. Um, if you are someone who is, you know, preparing for a, a triathlon, you're going to need a specific diet to prepare you for this like competitive thing that you're all about. Um, and none of that is bad. No, but you go, you go into it knowing that that is a short-term goal. And when that goal is accomplished, that goal is over. I mean, you go into it knowing you're not going to eat chicken and rice at every meal for the rest of your life forever and ever. Right. So those are not sustainable lifelong habits. And I think that's the misconception. And, And then for whatever reason, it always goes into, to bodybuilding or seems to oftentimes go into competing in some capacity. Um, but I love, uh, how I read through a lot of your material and your Instagram is absolutely amazing. By the way, if you guys, um, have the opportunity, make sure you go to Christie's Instagram page. Um, I'm going to link it in the show notes, but she puts a ton of amazing content out there. Um, the most recent one, uh, though that I love, or maybe it was on your website that I saw it but it's just about not waiting, um, you know, not waiting to take the picture until you are in your pre-baby body or, um, oh yeah, you had the real about Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. it was was the BS, (laughs) (laughs) the BS pre-baby body, uh, mirror image real was funny, but, um, basically about not waiting because I think that we're always like on this verge of, of waiting for something amazing to happen or for us to get into that pair of jeans that we want to fit into, or for us to lose that 10 pounds. And, and I think oftentimes we're chasing this, um, idea or thought, uh, goal, right. But we need to embrace the now, the right here and now, or we miss it. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know who have perfect bodies and are completely unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if they achieved something epic, like a giant transformation, or they, you know, they did something incredible with that body. The reason that we've been taught that sort of idea of once we get there, now we can be happy. Yeah. Now you can take those pictures. Now you can buy some new clothes for your new body is because that's a very um, desirable marketing strategy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you now is sucky and terrible, well, then you better do something about it and take action so that you can become this new, better version of you. Yeah. The before and after literally shows you that it's like, yep suck version and awesome version. So you see all these examples. So then you're like, well, if I'm not where I want to be right now, if I'm unhappy in my skin, well, I'm in the sucky version. And then one day I want to look like that. And once I get there, then I'm going to be awesome and happy. And I'm not downplaying transformation. I actually love having people achieve what they want and well, feel good. there's something different about, because you and I have talked about this personally before I was the person that competed and did well competing nine months postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have the other side of things where I gained 65 pounds postpartum and was miserable. So I don't want to say that I was miserable, 
nine, you know, that whole nine months. But I, I want to say that like, I missed out on a lot of things that I wish I would have slowed down on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had the quote unquote picture, perfect competition stage ready body nine months after competing, but I was a robot you know, mm-hmm. just repetitively going through the motions day in and day out. Now there's a lot of qualities from that lifestyle that I take today and live out because when you drink the water and you eat good food that fuels your body and you get the movement and you get sleep and those things, that's great. But then you, you also have to live in those moments because there's so many things from that time period that I don't even remember because I was literally on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, two, two things are in my head. And one is that again, transformation, when, when we were talking about how you can love yourself along the way, like not waiting until you get to some destination to me, that is the ticket that regardless of where you're at along the way, whether you've gotten to the goal that you want, or you're still working on it, that you can actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. present and you can feel happy and you can treat yourself right. You can't get there and then hope to have a positive relationship with your body and your food if you have neglected that the whole way. Um, but at the end of the day too, it's, I think like what you did, you were, you were an athlete. So mm-hmm. you chose the sport, which I mean, I a hundred percent relate to because I, still feel very much like I identify as an athlete. Yeah. Um, and you make sacrifices when you do that. Um, but I think the, the mistake that's made often in, in the fitness and nutrition space is that we think because it's food and food. So food is what regular people eat and food is what athletes eat. (laughs) Um, water is what regular people drink and water is what athletes drink and sleep and sleep that we think that the strategies and, um, programs that are created for athletes and people who are choosing to do this as like a a thing that they are truly invested in translate into regular people's life. And I don't think that it does, even though it's food and food and water and water and sleep Mm -hmm. and sleep. And that's fine. But I think it's, it's a problem, um, that anybody who probably has competed probably understands. They know this is for this. And so I guess my thought is too, it's when we apply those kind of strategies, for example, and those are the only ones you have. So you don't have a foundation of like learning how to eat food at home or not going to fast food all the time or not drinking your calories all the time or moving every day. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that foundation in place and then you try to apply some advanced strategy, whether it's, you know, tracking all your food or weighing and measuring or applying some sort of like weird, you know, timing eating approach or Mm -hmm. any of those things. If you try to apply those things without that foundation, it is, does not work. And in fact, it can be detrimental because you're you're just taking those same. And then it's like, you're not, I mean, it's not normal to sit in your car and eat a container of chicken and rice and not go and not eat in the restaurant. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not a normal behavior. (laughs) No. And so if you, if you don't have that foundation in place and instead you're like, well, let me just copy so-and-so because she did this thing to look amazing. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Then ultimately it's not going to work and it's not going to stick. So even if it does work in the short term, it's not going to work in the long term, which makes you feel like a failure, which again, you gain weight 
back, you struggle with the whole cycle all over again. Um, and then you find that you, you were better off actually before. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think it's so important for people to realize if you want to look a certain way with that comes a certain lifestyle, it comes things that you're going to be giving up. And I think at the end of the day, you need to decide what if I could look and feel this way instead, which is maybe not, you know, picture perfect, but I'm happy. I'm with, you know, enjoying in the moment. I'm not killing myself over all the things, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that happy, happy medium. Right. And I think so often we try to have this, you know, 100%, I'm not happy until X, Y, Z when why not be, why not be kind of in the middle? Cause we're not happy if we're just laying on the couch all the time, not doing anything. I like to call it kind of the, the bell curve, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I feel personally passionate about is being an example of not having a picture perfect body, but also being strong and healthy and in good shape. And I think there needs to be more examples of that. So people can see that you don't have to look picture perfect. It doesn't mean you can't look good and feel great, but it does not have to look like the examples of like a fitness model or fitness influencer, because those are not it's not only that they're not realistic, it's just that those are not necessarily even pictures of happy, you know? Right. Yes. That, that is not Follow them around for a day. <laughs> yeah. They're not living necessarily that the life that you want to lead. Right. Yep. Um, and so I think that, yes, you have to make the changes to become a person who lives in a healthy, happy body. You really do have to make some concrete changes for those to be reflected in your body. For someone to look at you and say, wow, like you're really strong or you're in good shape or you know, you just can't, you just did that whole thing carrying three kids in a suitcase and didn't even, you know, didn't even bat an eye. Like you're a monster. Like having that sort of like real life feedback of fitness and wellness and feeling good. Um that to me looks different than what we are told is like the destination that we should want. Well, and I also think it's important to recognize, like, you know, I sometimes have to remind myself like, holy crap, girlfriend, you work, you've got three kids, you're achieving fitness goals. Like you're, you're a good wife. Come on, like give yourself a pat on the back sometimes, you no, know, it's I think hard. It's- so easy to look at what we're not doing great at, you know, as it is to say, Hey, give yourself a break for a second. Yeah. And it, and I, I was thinking about this concept the other day too. It's like a lot of people are like, well, just push mom guilt away, you know, and do it anyway. I'm like, are you kidding? If you are a mom that just doesn't hit right. And it's because uh-huh. of course you're always going to know that you're making this like trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to be like, well, you shouldn't feel mom guilt. Of course you should. It's still okay to be like, yeah. give yourself a pat on the back and say, well, and whatever I'm- that looks like, it could be that, you know, this past weekend, for example, I had to choose between going to my daughter's dance recital or going to my son's wrestling meet. Of course, I'm going to have mom guilt. Yeah. I'm going to have mom guilt because I had to choose my daughter over my son and, and that doesn't feel good. Right. But like, what, what can I do about it? It is what it is. 
Right. And you're doing the best you can. And that's what right. I mean. Like you can give yourself a pat on the back. You're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. And it, when it comes to exercise and juggling a career and trying to eat right, sometimes we just need to acknowledge that we're doing the best we can. Like, would it be great for you to be home every single night and like do the perfect meal for your family. Um, and then I gave up on that. (laughs) Wouldn't that be the dream, but instead you feel bad because after work you stop by the gym and you spend 45 minutes to an hour doing a class or whatever. And then you feel bad about it because you're like, well, I should be home, you know, having some sort of family dinner or watching my kids practice or whatever. You can just go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back that you're doing the best you can. And that ultimately taking, care of your physical body is a part of what you need to do to, to be your happiest, best mom. And your kids will see that too. But I don't think that's the same as saying like, you shouldn't feel those feels like that's unreasonable. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to, to recognize that your kids are going to remember how you treated them, not what you served on the dinner table that night. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's good. I mean, it was funny because I was doing jujitsu with my oldest last night. Um, so Is that how he, you broke your finger? <laughs> yeah, except I broke it two weeks ago. <laughs> I did not. A, a splint on what do you call that? A, a splint. Splint on her on her finger right now. <laughs> yeah, it's splinted, and my knee is sore too. I've I have broken a few things doing jujitsu, but last I've been doing it for about two and a half years now. So just comes with the territory. But last <laughs> night I was, um, my oldest, he's 12. He'll be 13 next week. And so, and he recently had a big growth spurt. So I'm five, oh. four and he is now probably five, eight. Oh my all, gosh. All of a sudden. So he's a giant, um, a giant kid, you know? And mm-hmm. so he's man sized all of a sudden. Yeah. But still has like boy muscles are just like <laughs> stretched out. Um, so last night we're doing jujitsu and he's my partner. And I said to him, so he's trying to do something to me and he's, he's pretty good. Like if I'm not paying attention, I mean, he'll get me. Yeah. Um, but, I love that you do that together. That's awesome. <laughs> but he tried to outstrength me and that's just not going to happen at uh-huh. this stage. Um, you and got that so, mama muscle. Yeah. I'm like, uh, and I laughed to him. I was like, I was like, you will be stronger than me in the very near future, but you're not yet. And he goes, I would be strong if you were a regular mom that didn't work out. And, and I loved it. It just made me so happy because I think he probably he gave you took, pride. Yeah. I think he takes pride in the fact that I'm strong and that I like take care of myself. And so, I don't know, it just felt good. It felt like he respected that, yeah. you know, it felt good. I love not being a normal mom and I would love to create more, not normal moms, you know, that strength is. Yeah. Equality. Right. It's like, I want him to know that I can do more pull-ups than him right now. Like that's fine. I mean, again, he will surpass me, I'm sure at some point, but I think he needs to see that example in a woman too, to know that that's a, like something that he shouldn't be intimidated by as a grown man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, cause you have a unique coaching model beliefs, obviously, as we've been talking, um, but you have coaches that, um, you know, work with your fit me community. Talk to me about your, uh, your coaching model and style a little bit. Yeah, we have something that's pretty different in, um, our whole model is a hybrid. So it's a hybrid of group and one-on-one and what that means is you can't just come to fit me and say like, I just want a one-on-one coach. We don't offer that. 
our entire program is a hybrid. Um, and, and for would you say that's because you're built off of this idea of the importance of community? It is, and it's just based off of my belief that uh, we oftentimes show up better for other people than we do ourselves. And so why not leverage that to help people um, as they're trying to create new habits? They're trying to treat themselves better and create a better relationship with food. Why not leverage that piece of us that's already there that I consider to be one of our our gifts, you know, as people, this connection piece. And so, I mean, I've done it both ways. Funny enough, I mean, I started as a one-on-one. When I started online, I started doing one-on-one primarily macro coaching. Yeah. Um, I had, I built up a pretty big business doing that um, with yep. like one or two coaches with me. And then at the same time, I was like, well, I want to have a group program. So then I created a completely separate group program that was very much a like attend group calls and here's what we're doing together as a group. And that was cool too. Um, and it was funny because the group program had a lot of the things that I strongly felt like were the important foundations, like these really big, important um, things like we talked about on this call and the macros and the one-on-one coaching felt almost like it was, it was very personal, but at the same time we were missing the group stuff. So I almost yeah. wanted them to get eat from each other. I was like, oh, okay, group right. people, like you actually need some one-on-one conversations and like, okay, one-on-one people, like you have no foundation. And like, I know you want to track macros, but like, we actually need to be doing over this. Yeah. And so I just decided to, instead of dilly dally around it, I just threw both of those out and created the program that I actually think would serve my people the best. And so the program that I built is a hybrid. So we do things together as a group. So each week, everybody has a target that we all have. Um, We're all in small community pods kind of thing where everybody's connected. They have more than one coach who helps inside of those communities. So they're connected with more than just their person. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they all, everybody who comes through our program is assigned a one-on-one coach. It's your person. That person checks in with you every week. Like you get to talk to them back and forth. You do calls with them every month. You really have your person who knows you intimately. Um, And then our you know, going into next year, we've actually made some additional improvements to our program that basically are going to leverage our entire coaching team behind someone's journey. So now people will get individualized programming that goes with their, you know, their goals, um, like their workouts, whether that is like, I'm just starting out walking and I need to make my knees feel better and my ankles and get going walking. They will have an individualized plan for that. Or if they're like, Oh, I want to, you know, snatch more weight, you know, um, we'll be able to help with that. And at the same time, we're also going to be leveraging like uh, our team to provide deep dives into people's um, diet history, metabolism support, like what it is that they need. But instead of relying on one coach who's supposed to be the master of all things, we just use our entire team as a collaboration to provide that plan for someone. I love um, that because each individual coach probably has their own unique specialty. And why not um, draw on that strength rather than relying on one person to try to research this little topic or research that little topic and and just kind of utilize each other as a team? Right. And we actually do collaboration. So we're kind of unique in this setting too. It's not like, oh, everybody's an independent coach. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, actually on a weekly basis, we do a Tuesday collaborative coaching meeting where we literally say oh. every single person's name in FitMe and talk about 
if they need anything and collaborate and help each other so that that person is actually getting the best um, advice and direction. But ultimately, they still have their one person who kind of gets to have their, you know, full story in mind. And so that's that I think that is something kind of a general practitioner for that individual. Yeah. An expert at communicating really ultimately fit me coaches. um, That is what I train them on is being expert communicators, expert coaches. And then we, again, leverage our entire team to create the expertise that, you know, will help people. But at the end of the day, we still, it's not something that's crazy complicated. Ultimately we focus on simple it's still, it's not like, oh, did you earn macros? I mean, yeah. most people who are in FitMe oh. will never use macros. And so yeah. again, not that it's bad. It's just the person that I'm most passionate about helping yep. doesn't have that foundation in place, whether it's because they've yep. been dieting for decades or because they never learned it like me growing up um, or because they spent a long time maybe dieting and they are even at a body that they feel like looks the way they want it to look and they feel good in it, but they actually are terrified that as soon as they start eating regular food, they're just going to lose it all. Well, we and I don't think a lot of people like realize that too. macros are a somewhat advanced diet concept, really, you know, and, and your ideal client avatar is not somebody that necessarily needs that in their life. Cause simple doesn't necessarily mean it's easy, right? No, it's I mean, not easy. Yeah. yeah. You need these simple uh, strategies because we add, you know, complexity layers on top of there. And that's, you know, definitely not going to be a benefit for them. So, uh, we have a lot of, you know, other nutrition coaches that listen to our podcast as well. And so there may be some of them out there who are at this transitional point in their coaching career that maybe they're wanting to add coaches, or maybe they're, you know, looking at group style coaching. What was it? So you talked about how you went from one-on-one to group to hybrid, like what were some of those key indicators in your business that, um, you know, and how did you, I guess, transition your business to where it is now? I think for the coaches that are listening, you hear something like me talk about this and you feel like, oh, well, I could do that. Or I could like go from one-on-one. I could create a group program or then I could create a group program or I could create a hybrid um, because we see examples of someone else do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that we've seen the most success from paying very close attention to the person that we want to help Yeah, and then creating what they need. And so if you are serving someone who primarily benefits from one-on-one and you know it, you don't have to create a group program. You right. don't. Right. I just, I think that sometimes we get these ideas of we have to do all of these different things and we don't. Mm-hmm. You could be a baller one-on-one coach and do it just like that and build a really solid size business. Um, you could choose to never bring on any assistant coaches. You could decide this is good. I don't want to manage people. In which case, then you would just need to, I mean, honestly, raise your prices as an individualized coach, because maybe you're just amazing at that. And and you're just providing so much value. You just need to increase your prices. Right. Or find a different uh, way to grow your business that is not um, just based off of coaching where you are only going to be able to do so much of that, even if you bring on extra people. And again, I just don't think 
people hear that message enough. Yeah. I love that though, because you bring up a really good point is just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that you have to for your business or doesn't mean that there's a certain way to progress in your business. There's, you know, not necessarily a a progression plan. I mean, everybody's coaching model or business opportunity looks different. It does. And, And also a lot of times people are thinking, well, if I want to grow my business, well, now I need to do a group program. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. I I think the best group programs are not downsells. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it shouldn't be like, how can I sell something cheaper to more people? Got it. You are already off on the wrong foot. It should be, what benefits could I create in a group setting that I can't create in a one-on-one setting? Mm-hmm. What value is there to do this in a group setting that I cannot do in a one-on-one setting. Now you're on the right foot because you're like thinking about it from the right perspective. You're actually going to create something that will deliver a different kind of value. It's not like, oh, well, you can't afford one-on-one, so then just do this group. I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be priced differently. I'm just saying that building it for the sake of let me charge people less and have a place where I can, you know. Because you're almost just trying to be a yes man at that point. Right. And you're going to have a hard time selling it because there's 50 million group programs out there. Yeah. So if you actually build something for your person, then you can tell them, Mm -hmm. I built you this and here's why we're doing it in a group. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, think about CrossFit. So CrossFit's something that I did for a long time. Yeah. CrossFit is way less fun by yourself. Yeah. (laughs) You got to be already, (laughs) you got to be already in. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like it has to be like your, your sport, your, your favorite thing. It by definition to me has huge benefits to do in a group setting. Yeah. The entire model is based off of like writing your score on the board with other people so that you work harder of like high-fiving people in class and meeting a coach. There's all of these benefits from yes. doing it in person. It doesn't mean that one-on-one personal training is invalid. It's just that this has its own thing. Yeah. So, and, and I think it's funny because, uh, CrossFit for better or worse, again, I'm not like a CrossFit. I love, I love my time that I coached in CrossFit, all that, but I'm not like a CrossFit super fan or something. But one of the things that they did very differently from the start is to price their group program differently than other group models. Like you could join a boot camp class for 40 bucks a month. And most CrossFit gyms were priced at 150 to 200 yeah. just initially. And so it was just, again, but people who did it and did it consistently, they found significant value in yeah. that group setting. And so it was worth it. Yeah. Um, again, for better or worse, I mean, there's lots of criticisms for it, but I think if you're an online coach and you're doing one-on-one and you feel like you want to create something in a group setting, then think about how you're going to create value in that group setting that they might not get in Mm one-on-one. Um, and, and again, should you do some sort of hybrid? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I have a lot of coaches because in order to do what we do, we actually have to, um, collaborate, (laughs) you know, we have to, um, have people who are experts in certain areas and people who are expert communicators. We have to do a lot of things that are actually something that is important to me. Yep. And so that might not be important to you. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like developing coaches on my team is something I get a lot of joy out of. And to me, that is worth it. 
Yeah. Um, if that's not for you, then don't hire a coach because if you're not going to develop them, then don't hire them. Yep. 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 And it also has a fit into your business model. And, and speaking of that, I want to talk, touch a little bit here on fit CFO and what your experience has been with having a financial expert in your corner while developing your business. Well, I can't say enough about it because, (laughs) um, when I met Sean, it was in that first year of being online Mm -hmm. and I was building up my one-on-one coaching business. It was really just me. I think I had maybe hired an admin, Yep. but I was doing fairly well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I grew from zero to 54 one-on-one clients that year. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, 54 times 200, right? So I was making yeah. a decent chunk of money um, every month and I had no idea where it was. <laughs> my finances were mixed up with my personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all was in and out of one account. Um, I did not keep track of any of it. I was not saving for taxes. I was not paying myself. I was just taking money, you know, as it came in, if I was like using it for this house stuff, or I was using it to reinvest in website overhaul, it like didn't make any difference. I wasn't like paying myself anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused me a lot of stress because I knew it was wrong. <laughs> I yeah. was like, this is yeah. not, there was going. just no like organization of business personal and, um, like paying yourself like owner's draw, things like that. Yeah. And again, I, I, I think this has some weird parallels to what I was talking about with food, <laughs> which is that uh-huh. I did not learn this it's foundational, right? No, I didn't learn it. And so how would I know to do it now? It's like, oh, well, there's like these advanced templates and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but that's not what I needed. I actually just needed to have a bank account for my personal and a bank account for my business. And that simple thing, that like one thing would have made a lot of things better. Um, And so I just didn't know. And I remember when I met Sean, you know, we connected at... Uh, a mentorship event mm-hmm. and he reached out and it was the very beginning, I guess, of fit CFO. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think well, I might have we got- went to these events for my coaching business, quickly realizing how little everybody knew about business finance. And that was our area of expertise. And of course we thought, well, maybe, you know, we could provide some benefit here. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's what it was. So I think we probably did a consult or two where it was just out of the kindness of his heart. where He was <laughs> like, I will help you at least get your ducks in a row for now. But then um, it, I mean, it was obvious to me that this had to be a mandatory piece of me building a business was right. having someone like fit CFO to keep me on track. And it has been that way ever since. So it's not like some magical secret. It honestly was creating a couple basic systems Mm -hmm. that Sean showed me. I was actually able to add to them myself because once I understood the basics, then I could create, I don't know, support documents that kind of made sense in my brain that project things that I wanted to see. But at the end of the day, I knew that I would be able to talk to him and figure out, okay, well, this is what that looked like. And now what? Um, so simple things like separating my bank accounts, making sure things are being categorized correctly um, so that they can, my bookkeeping can be done and taxes not be a disaster. Yes. Um, 
simple things like paying myself rather than pulling from the business account whenever I felt like it so that I had a predictable salary that I was like, this is what I'm paying. It didn't mean that I would never be able to take additional money, but it was like, I could pay myself in special times as opposed to, you know, your monthly, but yeah, even that needed some strategy behind it. It wasn't just like free for all. It should be, you know, um, it should be thought out. Uh, and so then saving for taxes was something that removed a lot of stress. It was like, okay, well now if I'm saving, at least then I don't have to be surprised at the end of the year. Um, and having the accountability check Mm -hmm. for me, uh, is helpful because if I didn't continue having that, I probably would just go back to doing, I don't think I would like mix co-mingle my accounts or anything, but I do think I would have a far less insight into like important decisions that I would need to make for my business as well as um, feeling confident when I'm taking risks or when I'm not exactly seeing the numbers that I feel like I should, or when I am kind of having just like a, an anchor of like, yeah, you made a lot of money last month, but don't forget it's not going to look like that next quarter because that's not what's planned or, okay, this month, actually you didn't make as much money, but that's okay because you told me that you're restructuring certain things so that this is, you know, over the course of a year going to look like something. It's really helpful to have somebody who knows how that works, talk you through it. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. It's just so interesting how many parallels there are between, um, uh, you know, fitness health journey and a financial journey as well. And, and it, they really are paralleled, but, um, but yeah, I know we're nearing the end of our time here, but I, I knew that, um, our audience could, you know, learn both, uh, from you from a wellness standpoint, and then also from an entrepreneurial, uh, standpoint as well. And, um, you have an amazing business that you've created as a busy working mom and, um, inspired by you every day. And I can't wait to get this out to our audience. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are in my world. I mean, I've watched <laughs> you do all sorts of amazing things. I've again, I respect you so much as a mom and an athlete, oh, and um, but now you're helping people with the probably the hardest thing that they don't want to deal with <laughs> as an entrepreneur um, is this like financial piece. And so, well, I get to do the fun part, which is mm-hmm. putting it out there for the world to see, and you know, I'll let them do the number crunching and all of that. So. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, And so this has been really fun. And yeah, I'm glad that you invited me. Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course. Take care. If you like this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help others out there become the best versions of themselves. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.